Greetings, folks. Welcome to this week's Red Voices. Ewan and Rich on duty tonight. Pleasure to be in your company after United return to action with a routine 2-0 win over Swansea City on Saturday afternoon. Of course, we now find ourselves facing uh, the unpalatable prospect of City confirming their imminent league title in next weekend's Manchester derby, unless we can conjure a performance from somewhere at the Etihad. So that's a thing, but there's plenty to discuss before we get to that. Rich, how was that international break for you? I quite enjoyed it. It was it was nice to have a, a break from United for a couple of weeks, I think. It kind of was, wasn't it? It, it was, it was. I think, I think you know, we, we were talking just before we started recording about how kind of the whole season built to the crescendo of the of the severe, the second leg of the severe game, and then that just seemed to completely knock the stuffing out of everything. You know, there's an enormous feeling of deflation. It was almost nice just to be able to step back for a couple of weeks and just focus on something else, um, and then come back to United slightly fresh and without that cloud hanging over <laughs> us too much. Although it's still it's yeah, great. I get what you mean. I mean, to be fair, you know, you, actually, actually, England. I mean, I didn't, didn't really watch the games myself, but the, the noises coming from people who tend to regard watching England's national team as, you know, punishment tantamount to genital mutilation, uh, it seemed to actually go quite well for you lot. And you know, Wales yeah. were banging in the goals against China in that China Cup briefly, so that was good fun. So yeah, can't complain too much. But I agree, you know, it was nice to. It, it sounds daft, but as you said, uh, as we said earlier on when we were discussing it, because the air has been let out of the season to a certain extent by that Sevilla game, it was nice to kind of step away for a couple of weeks and not think about United. And obviously, you're still considering what's going to happen for the rest of the season, but it was nice not to have a game to focus on. And to be fair, today really couldn't have gone any more smoothly had it tried. You know, Swansea were sacrificial lambs to the slaughter they basically gave themselves up to us just allow us to have a bit of a confidence boost it was ridiculous you know five minutes in great work by Lingard uh Alexis in the box and you know uh Lukaku got a little bit lucky with that shot but lovely to see him score within the first five minutes and that kind of set the tone for the game great for him as well that's his 100th goal in the Premier League 24 years old mad it is 26th of the season as well (laughs) and I know you know, it, it seems quite incredible that sort of two or three months ago, perhaps a little more, he was you know, kind of not celebrating because people were grumbling because he was really struggling. And he's become, I'd have said in the last six to eight weeks, probably one of the most important players in the team and certainly one, one of the most informed. I think he was the only outfield player that turned up for United in the Sevilla game. And one of the criticisms of him when United signed him was that he didn't impact big games enough. I mean, Paddy Power did a joke today about about how of Lukaku's hundred goals, something like eighty five came in the last five minutes when already three 0 up or something, and that that was kind of the the impression that that was given at the time. And I think he did struggle with that. He has struggled with that, and I, I think United as a whole struggled with it as well in the first half of the season. But now he's the guy who's scoring the first goal. He's scoring the important goals, the goals that winning games or the goals that are turning games. Mm. And, he, and he, so again, you know, he got he got the first goal, and that was so important today because I think the longer United go, the more we seem to struggle. I don't know whether there's still a sort of residual pressure from last year, but but getting that early goal really gave the team a pep, and and the first half was as good a first half I think as we played at home this season in terms of the fact that everybody was probably at least playing a 7 out of 10 <laughs> well, wow don't don't go over abusive in your praise right? <laughs> although, although to counterbalance that everyone, every one of the Swansea players was playing about 2 out of 10 so it was just really weird I mean I, I don't really understand what Swansea's game plan was I was perfectly happy for them to carry on like that all day but 
that first half was really weird. They were so passive, and United were very sharp, playing very well in you know little triangles and very uh, small areas, and really just the tempo that United were playing out was too much for Swansea in the first half. Yeah, and you couldn't really argue with you know with the score at half time. No, absolutely not. I thought we were good value for it. You know, it felt a little bit like a team had arrived at Old Trafford that was scared of us and they were going to sit off us. They sat in a very, really deep line defensively and essentially just allowed us to play. And it was great to watch us take advantage of that. You know, the likes of Pogba and Sanchez, you know, those are two names that have been cropping up repeatedly throughout the international break, heavily criticised for their performances for the last couple of weeks. But I thought they responded fairly well. I don't think they're absolutely spectacular. I think it was quite interesting as well with Sanchez goal and assist and you know not uh, undeserving of the man of the match award but that's still kind of like him to me at sort of 60 65 percent capacity i wouldn't necessarily say that he was absolutely stunning today i think he just was able for the first time in a long time to find a good place to try and function in this united side i think there were still many occasions you know you talked about basic positionings of where the United players are, that front four in particular, they end up very crammed in. And because Swansea was sat back so deep, that didn't cause too much of a problem. And Sanchez was able to make it work to his benefit today. It, it was great to see. You know, it was really nice to see him get his goal as well. Very well taken. You could see that it clearly meant something to him as well. And I think the big difference today, in particular for Sanchez, was that he was actually getting into space much better than he's been doing for weeks. You know, he, I think he had what? He had that one chance and he took it. Several other chances. Had we actually been, you know, better with our ball in the final third, he might have had another couple of goals. But it was actually really encouraging to see that he was actually able to get involved in the play and actually get on the end of chances because that has not been a feature of his play over the last couple of months, has it? What's been interesting with Sanchez since, since he's come is that it was notable in the, the first few games that he played that, that he was trying to force the attacking in a way that the rest of the team weren't. So, you know, United have been relatively passive in the attack in the last, really, all the time under Mourinho, a lot of side-to-side passes, not necessarily very quick in the final third. He was getting the ball, he's very direct, heading straight for goal, imploring other players to do the same. And because that, well, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't played well personally, but because I think he hasn't been on the same wavelength as the rest of the team, that hasn't really functioned at all. And what, what was notable today was that he was doing that, but the, the others around him were doing that as well. You know, I thought I thought Matter was very, very direct, and basically United players were pushing on in the first half, ten yards further up the pitch, and being very positive in those areas, and actually playing forward and playing at triangles, and actually trying to create something rather than rather than being overly patient. And I think that's why mm. he suddenly fitted into the framework of the team very well. But having said that, he took he took his goal in a manner which shows far more confidence than he's had in front of goal in the last five or six games. I mean, you think back to the home game against Chelsea where he had the chance where he kind of came across and he's six yards out and he just kind of toe-scuffed it straight at the keeper or at Newcastle where he had the open goal but he didn't move his feet around quick enough and took an extra touch. That was a finish today where of a, of a guy who was feeling really confident and really hit it really sweetly in, you know, into the corner from 18, 20 yards. He just looked for the first time, at least in the first half, like this was a guy who was playing on the same wavelength as all of his teammates were, which he hasn't to this point. Yeah, a couple of words on Pogba as well. He's someone who has, (laughs) shockingly enough, come in for quite a lot of criticism over the last international break. Uh, Played pretty well for France over in Russia in midweek. Seeming, I mean, Mourinho mentioned as the sort of the um, 
the tone of the game and the tempo of the game seemed to drop quite significantly in the second half, mentioning in the internationals and a lot of those players have been playing out on the continent during the week, which I get. There's been a lot of talk around Pogba this week in regards to Brian Robson's comments about you know how he's on social media and everything. He feels like he's not focused and he's not necessarily with it. That sounds like Yadar, as they it say, does, as, as the young people say. Um, look, what footballers do in their free time, I'd rather we had footballers who in the free time were smiling and laughing than, than moping around like miserable kids. I, li- I like that there are a lot of players in this team who really get on very well, and who have similar interests and who have fun together and, and who prat about and I, I really that really doesn't bother me you know it doesn't impact on what they do on the pitch Pogba until you know the first 18 months that he was at United I think he was comfortably our best outfield player really I guess alongside Ibrahimovic and then he, he had the injury and then he, he he just had a period of poor form he has got things he's got to improve on definitely I mean he's just turned 25 he's still forming as a player himself you know, and today you could see that he was consciously playing a more conservative role. You know, he was in that in that deep two with with Lingard further forward in the kind of in the ten position, and so he wasn't driving on as much as he, he he previously was. He wasn't trying to beat players and leaving Matic exposed. He, you know, if he did go direct, it was more often attempting to do a pass. And I know that a couple of the journalists who wrote reports on the game said that. That Mourinho was really appreciating those passes, even if they didn't didn't come off. It's difficult, you know. I know France have had very similar issues with trying to get the best out of Pogba, but I think he's just been in a period of really poor form. And I, you know, we don't know what's happened behind the scenes, but I just think the kind of the way it was dealt with as well, it, it doesn't help a guy's confidence. Well, hold on a minute. Whoa, 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 hold on a minute. Are you trying to say that our manager Jose Mourinho? He might have said something unhelpful that might have not their confidence. Are you saying those words to me now, Richard Kent? I, I, I wouldn't like to say that precisely. I'm just saying that players respond to the carrot or the stick, don't they? Or a combination of carrot and stick. And the manager's job at all times is to work out how to treat each individual player in a way that gets the best out of them. Fergie was a good ta- tactician, but part, but Fergie's greatest gift, I think, was his ability to get the best out of individuals. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, certainly Mourinho, I, I've always, it's always been interesting because Mourinho's early teams, his his team, at, his team at Porto and his first team at Chelsea and then his team at Inter, they were all these incredibly tight collective, group, collective groups where every player in that team absolutely idolised Mourinho and everybody was behind him and it was this enormous collective loving and effort. And then he went to Real Madrid and then obviously back to Chelsea again. And then in his time, you know, time at United so far, and he became a more adversarial coach. You know, he was picking fights with people. Obviously, it's his his way of trying to motivate, but he changed his style changed in that regard. And I just think sometimes, you know, I, I don't think he's always wrong. I, I don't necessarily like how the way he spoke about Luke Shaw sometimes, but I think probably he's right to be incredibly exasperated by Luke Shaw because I don't think he's giving everything he could and I don't think he's he's as devoted and, and listens as much as he should do. So this isn't a black mm. or white this isn't a black or white thing. I just think that when we lost at Spurs, it seemed like Mourinho really blamed publicly blamed Pogba almost as the scapegoat for that game. When if you look at that game, if you were to watch that midfield, Matic was out of position as much as Pogba was for large portions of that game. Tottenham were just 
completely destroying the midfield and it wasn't just on Pogba. And nobody played well in that game and it just seems like they there was some sort of falling out after that and then Mourinho's thought pattern was, right, I'm going to show this guy. I'm going to show this guy that he thinks he's the boss but he's not and I'm the boss and I'm going to show the, the entire squad who's in charge. And that's kind of fine, but I think it, as a consequence of that, you, you just kind of got in this cycle of really knocked Pogba's confidence and when he came on he was clearly not sharp and so I mean I took heart in the fact that he was selected today and also in the in the fact that Pogba seemed to to play a very disciplined role today which suggests Mm. to me maybe that Mourinho's given him his two months bollocking and said (laughs) has said fine you've gone away for France you've had a good game against Russia I'm going to play you this is the role I want you to play just do it and Pogba's thought, you know what, yeah, I'm just going to do it. And, and that's what it looked to me. It looked like a guy who'd been told, this is the formation, this is the role you're playing. Don't wander off, don't bomb up field, you need to be disciplined, you know, make the play for us. And from that perspective, I don't think he had a, he didn't have a stellar game, but I think he did what Mourinho was asking of him, and he did it quite well. No, but I think that actually fits in quite well with United in general, though, wasn't it? That was essentially yeah. what we've seen a lot of in the last couple of years under Mourinho specifically, in the sense that United did enough to get the job done today. Now, if you look at that first half performance, that was arguably, to me, it felt like a little bit of that early season swagger again. Mm. We were scaring the opposition, and that was great to see. You know, We were playing some really great incisive football. The front four were linking up better than they have done in weeks. It was great to watch. And the second half, you know, we did create some half-decent chances. You know, you think back to uh, Matter on the turn, hitting over Sanchez after Lukaku's flip back, and then Lukaku somehow getting away with like a rather clear handball, and then Fabianski managing to clear it in the second half. Probably should have had a third goal, but, you know, United really, the, the pressure noticeably dropped in that second half. And I think that what Pogba did there was essentially as you said there, stick to the role and get the job done. And I think that was essentially quite similar to what we saw from United again today, really, wasn't it? You know, we got the victory and, you know, arguably just move on to the next one. Yeah, you know, I think maybe we're fortunate coming back from the international break that we had a relatively soft fixture. Oh, I mean, God, how willing were Swansea today? They were. I mean, I know there was a bit of a, a bit of a loving between Mourinho and Carvajal and things I've read that Carvajal said about Mourinho in the last week or so. They seem incredibly deferential, perhaps more deferential than Mourinho's achievement at United so far warrant. You know, he was it was almost as if he was talking about a guy who was, you know, who'd won the European Cup eighteen months ago or something, or or last last summer. And that really Swansea kind of set up as if they were playing against Barcelona or Real Madrid, didn't they? As if they were absolutely terrified of United, and and they were just going to sit back, play five at the back. Everybody's going to be in in space. Nobody was going to come out field, and and even after they, they conceded the first goal, they didn't come out. They just kept doing the same thing. The, you know that first half was as passive as I've ever as I've seen this season from from a team who's come to United. I mean, the second half was mm. very very different, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, I mean, I think Tammy Abraham certainly had a good positive effect for the visitors. You know, two excellent shots in the space of what thirty seconds, only rounded out by how super superbly David De Gea did with those saves that first one was just insane it seemed like he was already in flight by the time the, the ball had left Abraham's foot wonderful reaction save then to get down so low for that second one which is on the first time shot Abraham could not have hit those two shots any better but he's done absolutely stunningly well there with those reaction saves and he just got up like nothing had happened 
absolutely ridiculous human being. It was filth. It was amazing to watch. It was amazing, yeah. I think one of the great things about, about De Gea as a, as a keeper, and it's something that all United keepers, all successful United keepers have needed, is that whilst he's been pretty busy this season in general, in games when he's had absolutely nothing to do, he, you know, he can make an absolutely world-class save out of, that, out of nowhere. He's, he's, he's as sharp in the last minute as he is, was in the first, even if he's not had a shot to save for the whole, the whole game. I think the second one was a very good save. I think the first one was an absolutely insane save. And it's just another example of his reflexes, which I think are his, probably his, his best attribute. He just moves in those those vital milliseconds faster than other keepers do. And I mean, that would have been annoying if we conceded them because United were cruising in that game and then they kind of did what we do, which is we, we're not capable of playing at a high tempo for more than half a game for some reason. You know, we were strolling about in the second half. It all felt quite complacent, and you know, if 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 that if that that had gone in, either those chances had gone in, I think we could have been quite a squeaky squeaky second half. But as it was, De Gea saved us, and we, we were relatively comfortable after that. Yeah, I think the second save in particular that just seemed to completely knocked what possible remaining stuffing Swansea had. You know, they didn't really mount any serious pressure after that. And United were able to, for the most part, just stroll through comfortably. And considering that Liverpool have come from behind against Palace, and we know that, you know, even when we're not necessarily on it, Palace are playing relatively well at Sellers Park at the minute. That can't have been an easy game for them. But considering that they would have, they st- we started today's game down in third, we needed to get a result today. And yeah, it wasn't fantastic, but I think that first half in particular showed that there does seem to be a little bit of an uptick in form and hopefully United can continue that going on for the next six weeks of the season. You know, there might not be a heck of a lot left to play for, but there's enough to suggest that United still need to try and approach the end of this season in as positive a way as possible. And I guess, you know, that leads us nicely on to our next game, which is not going to be in midweek, because I don't know if you remember this, Rich, we've got knocked out of the Champions League. <laughs> we? We're off I, to the I Etihad. Noticed, no. <laughs> no, no, of course not. No, it's easily forgotten. Yeah, gosh, what was it? Three minutes in, Leroy Sane scoring at Goodison Park this afternoon, essentially meaning that if we lose next weekend, then City will be winning the league at the Etihad in front of us in next weekend's derby. There's a barely a, a more unpalatable thought than that. You know, you think back to trips to the Etihad when the title has been on the cards. You know, you think back to... 2011 2012 where we lost the title on the final day the build-up for that game when we were going over to the Etihad for the derby you know knowing everything was on the line and Ferguson going for that quite negative approach and just trying to see out the game because he was you know he had the yips he was a bit worried about what was going on um it just feels completely different now here we are several years later and City are but the moment leaps and bounds ahead of us in terms of what they're able to do in the league and it feels really difficult to say it, but it's difficult to see anything other than a City win at this stage. You know, I do yeah. think Mourinho and United are capable of forcing a draw out of this occasion and at least trying to frustrate City. But at the minute, they've got all the momentum, they're playing well, they're scoring goals. There's just a togetherness that United simply can't match at the moment and it's very, very difficult to see United getting a result out of that game. Yeah, it is. My biggest concern, and and we can go back to the game today. And again, we didn't we didn't play for ninety minutes. And you can say, well, we're two 0 up, and we you know we could afford to cruise a bit. Yeah. But United haven't put in put in ninety minute performance all season. I don't think really. Um, it, it, 
I, I kept thinking about this, and I think probably the closest we've come is the the West Ham game on the first day of the season. And we we have periods in games, whether it be at home or away, where we just lose the ability to pass each other for in any consistent manner for any period of time. You know, all the things that we've done well in other portions of the game just seem to dissipate. And when you're playing a Swansea or when you're playing, you know, even away at Palace and 2-0 down, or when you're, when you're playing a sort of normal inverted commas team, you can get away with that because we've got enough individual ability in the team that we can we can create something against those teams and still score goals even for playing badly. We can't afford to switch off for five minutes to the attack because City will punish us because whilst they don't necessarily play for 90 minutes every game and they certainly didn't today at Everton, they, they, they really eased off a bit when they had already flayed Everton to within an inch of their lives. <clears throat> you know, if it, as, as long as it's nil-nil, City will just keep coming, relentlessly keep coming. And if we don't, if we can't keep hold of the ball for any period of time, they're going to cut. They're going to cut us apart. Um, you know, my my crumb of comfort, if if there is any, is is just just the knowledge that I reckon that the the Liverpool Champions League tie is looming pretty heavily in Guardiola's mind. I think the only the only tie that would have distracted him more than that would have been if they were playing Barcelona. Because mm. that you know, this is an enormous game, isn't it? Well, or Bayern, to be fair. Well, no, I, but I mean, you know, Barcelona obviously means a lot Who to him beat personally. Dortmund 6-0 this evening, to be fair. They did beat Dortmund 6-0, but Dortmund were absolutely appalling. But I, I think he looks at Liverpool and he thinks of, of the English teams that they could have faced this season, I think Liverpool are the most capable of surprising them over two legs. I think City are massive favourites, but but Liverpool are the are the one side I think who can give them a scare, and I think he knows that. And so the question just is, does he make a few changes with that game in mind? Because ultimately they're going to win the league. It, you know, it would be really ace for their fans if they win the title against United at the Etihad, but ultimately they're going to win the league anyway. And he doesn't. He 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 is he's interested in winning the Champions League as well. They've got such a good squad that they can afford to rotate a bit and still beat most teams comfortably. You know, my, my current comfort is, will they just take their eye off the ball a little bit? And, and that might allow United just to, to sneak something there. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a possibility of that happening for sure. As you mentioned there, Liverpool are capable of beating City. You know, they proved that early on in the season. So what will Guardiola prioritise? You know, you would assume he will go for the Champions League this week, at least anyway, because as you said there... City are going to win the league. Whether or not they do it against us, all right, there's a romantic element of beating United in their stadium, you know, provided anyone bloody turns up uh, on Saturday. It, I guess it doesn't make too much of a difference realistically whether they do it next weekend or the weekend after, whoever, whoever they're playing. But that's the thing, as you mentioned there. The problem is, is that City have got a good enough squad that they can afford to make several changes, you know, four or five for the game on Saturday and still potentially do us over. And this is the problem, is that the squad that City have got have been operating on such a high level all season that Guardiola can make so many changes and still get a very high quality performance out of his players. And that's not something Mourinho has been able to do. You know, you look at the likes of Martial and Rashford, they've had dips, Lukaku's had dips, Pogba's had several months where he's really struggled and he's been out injured as well. We've had problems with midfield, Herrera's form has really struggled this year in particular. Fellaini, who's an option, has barely been involved in the side. Carrick's not really been involved. We've had defensive issues. There's just there's not really any area of the pitch apart from goal where you could say United are particularly certain. Even the sure starters like 
Young and Valencia have had iffy games and caused issues for their colleagues with occasional inability to pick up a man here or there. It's just that that's the, that's the big difference in terms of where the clubs are at the minute is that City are operating on a high level across the board. United have not been doing that anywhere near as consistently as they need to be doing in order to really challenge them. And I guess, you know, we've known that for several months. You know, the season arguably was over in terms of, you know, the, the league title was over essentially in December when they beat us at Old Trafford. And we haven't gotten anywhere near them since that point. You know, they've steamrolled away and we just haven't, we haven't been able to get anywhere near. You know, I guess the one thing you can say from our season, if when we sort of look back on it, and obviously we can discuss this a little bit more depth towards the end of May when we're looking back on this, hopefully with an FA Cup in our hands, and who knows how that's going to pan out. We've been able to improve our league position quite significantly in what has been a one-horse title season race. So there's that. But it's now this thinking of, okay, so City are clearly far ahead of us and all the other teams in and around us. How do we bridge that gap? And then you start thinking about who needs to come in. So what? Left back, right back, a couple of midfielders, Fellaini's most likely going, which I've got mixed feelings about because it's just strange to me that he's almost holding the club to ransom and Mourinho wants him to stay. When I think symbolically, it's actually really important that we let go of him mm. and this plan B that really doesn't actually work that often. You know, I can't see Herrera going, Carrick's leaving, that's going to be a lot of experience leaving, but I stay on the coaching staff, which is great news for the club and the players. But yeah, these aren't easy answers at the moment. You know, it's not simple to see who we can bring in who's going to be able to make the difference. And it still involves us putting, to me at the moment, quite a lot of faith in Mourinho that he can actually consistently get the best out of these players on a regular basis. And the signs that we've got at the moment are maybe he can do that. There's no certainty at the minute, is there? I think there are two there are two issues. We can certainly go out and buy better players. And there are a number of areas on the pitch where we can do that. And that helps. That's, you know, better players generally make a better team. But City are almost a a triumph of the collective. They're, they're almost a, the most kind of heretical example of of, of a collective, a, te- a team that's great because of the way it's put together and the way it's made, made to play. Possibly more so than any other team we've seen, seen in the Premier League era. And so... Mourinho's got to find a way both to improve the players he's got, but also to get them to function more effectively and more consistently as a unit. And I think that that consistency is the, the biggest thing. You look at the two halves of the game today, the first half was everything that he, he would have asked them to do. And then with the same players on the pitch in the second half, that they were doing none of it. And, and Mourinho you know, was visibly furious on the touchline. And he, he, he talked about how in the Brighton game, even though we won the game, he said you know, essentially nobody on the pitch was doing all the things they've been trained to do all week. So, from our perspective, better players will help. But he's got to find a way of he's got to find a way of getting those players to do what he wants for the majority of games. You made the point that there's no certainty as to whether you know have we got Pete Mourinho or not because Pete Mourinho did that. You know that his players played for him from the first to the last minute, and they may have had points in individual games or individual games where things didn't work out. But generally speaking, they were able to enforce that there will on most opponents in most games and that's why they won things and we haven't really got to that point with United so but he's got to find a way to kind of bridge that gap he's got to find a way of getting better players but coaching those players better as well and it, it, that's that's the key is he what he was if he is then he, he will find a way to do that if he isn't then he just won't and City will remain 
considerably better than anybody else in the Premier League. Okay, so sorry, I was just uh, stopping because this actually works as quite a nice segue into what we're about to talk about next because, to be fair, I'm just depressing myself with thinking <laughs> about all this City chat. You know, fair play to them. They've been absolutely... They've been great this season and you can't take it away from them. You know, Raphael and uh, was speaking to Andy Mitten this week and mentioned that the lowest they ever felt was when we lost the league at the Stadium of Light when City won it with the late winner. And I get that. I think it's actually quite significant to have lost the league in that manner had it taken away quite in that manner because it was character building and you saw how United responded the following season. Yes, it would potentially be quite character building for this squad to go to the Etihad and lose that match. But by that same token, the idea of going to City to lose a derby on this sort of instance, you don't want to be anywhere near that. I think United really, even if it doesn't mean much in the context of this season, even if we stay second or third or whatever, we know City are going to win. I think United for themselves and to put a marker down for next season have got to at least come out and try their bollocks off in this game. You know, we've really not had a good run of it in the derby since Mourinho took over. You know, the one at the Etihad last season was rubbish. We've been roundly beaten in the two games that we played at Old Trafford in the league, at least anyway, even though we beat them in the League Cup. It's just not been anywhere near good enough. And I think we've got to improve that at some point. And I think we've got to give City something to think about going into the summer break. You know, we've got real improvements that we need to make. But, we've, you know, ultimately, that if United are going to do something under Mourinho this is the core of the team that he's going to do it with. So they've got to prove to themselves that they can actually stand shoulder to shoulder with this city side and make something happen. So if they wanted an opportunity to show what they can do, this is as good an opportunity as any, and it'd be really nice to see if they could do it. Anyway, let's round off the evening with a quick chat on a bloke who's just done and scored an absolute worldie in the Los Angeles Derby this evening, Rich. Uh, Zlatan heading out the back door uh, this, well, I said not the back door, saying that he conquered England in his, uh, in, yeah. in, inside three months, I think it was, wasn't it? I guess it's, with Zlatan, you have to take a lot of what he says with, uh, you know, sort of a barrel full of salt to a certain extent. I think we'll always be grateful for his goals, but I th- I don't know. I mean, to me, it feels difficult to look at his time at United as a completely unqualified success. And that's coming from someone who's immensely grateful for his contributions. You know, think about the League Cup. 28 goals in his first season as a 36-year-old man is insane. But I don't think any of us were really sort of blind to the, his limitations and the limitations he seemingly imposed on the team as well. Yeah. We had this discussion a lot last season, didn't we? You know, ultimately, as you say, his his impact for a guy of his age who'd never played in the Premier League before, who'd been playing in a in a weaker league for several seasons, was absolutely insane. And I think when when a guy is is performing and scoring goals, and when when you, when you he's new to you as well, he can say the things he says and promote himself in the way he promotes, and you kind of laugh and go, "Ha." Ah, is great you know he's kind of like a, he's a tosser but he's our tosser um and but we did we did talk we, you know we did have tactical issues with him last season but ultimately he scored a hell of a lot of goals for united just to put just to stop you there he has now scored a second has he <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> the galaxy is winning 4-3 i think i think i think the, the thing that, that kind of sticks in the corner I, th- I think it ultimately kind of screwed himself and, and united over is is that there was this ongoing perception that he was some sort of superhuman and and he he propagated himself that himself when he was going through his recovery from his injury as well and and talk about the line being back and and how he was ready to go and all this and it's almost like 
that kind of brushed off on United and and his overconfidence made us overconfident in the fact that he could come back and do what he did before and then he came back having said all those things and then realised that he wasn't ready and he couldn't play and his knee didn't feel right and and by that point we'd obviously given him a contract again and it stuck in the craw a bit and, and, and I, know, I know it's all theatre but his comments you know this week about having conquered England in three months and, and all that he gave to United and there was he said as well that he wanted to join LA Galaxy two years ago but he just but it, but it didn't happen at that point. It just wasn't possible at that point, which just annoyed me slightly. You, you just have to accept his theatre, I think. He, I just think that when he got the injury and then the way that he went, went on when he had the injury ultimately was counterproductive for United. To a, a small degree this season, probably Edward would think that the amount of money that it cost us was more than a small degree, but, but it was just an annoyance. I just think it put a little black mark over, over his time at United. Ultimately, you know, he, he's gone to America and he's he's still, if, if his knee's right, he's still, he's too good for MLS still. But I just, he just, some of the stuff he said in the last few months and, and the last week as well, just kind of stuck in the craw of it. But he was ace when he was on it. Yeah, um, he was ace. Yes, he, he was good fun. You know, I think there's no denying that. And I think it, it's a shame that it kind of ended the way it did. It would have been interesting to see what this season would have been like, potentially, if we could have been rotating him and Lukaku a little bit more. But then again, you think about that in the sense that Lukaku has essentially scored his, what, 26th goal of the season today. And no, maybe it's better that the Mohinovic has been nowhere near the first team this season, apart from that little chunk of games he had earlier on, just purely because Lukaku has come on so well this year. And I think it's great that Lukaku hasn't had to worry about his position being under threat. We'll see. You know, I think it's really encouraging to see, you know, regardless of the fact that we signed Ibrahimovic essentially on good faith that he was coming back and he, it just didn't really work out the way we would have wanted it to the second half of the season. The flip side of it is Lukaku has come on leaps and bounds and I'm really impressed with him this year. You know, he, he should ease, that's, he say easily, he should get over 30 goals this season, which is a tremendous return. And I don't necessarily think I would have predicted that of him this year. He's been one of the really big bright spots of this term for United. It's not been easy to see too many positives, you know, in the whole sense of this season, because whilst we've definitely made progress in the league, whilst we're in the semi-finals of the FA Cup, there's some significant drawbacks that come with that. Anyway, Rich, that's about it for tonight. Uh, What do you reckon is going to happen on Saturday afternoon at the Etihad? I think we're probably going to lose 2-0. Alas. You? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I hope not. I mean, I wouldn't put it past us getting a scummy 1-1 draw, but it's going to take a performance that United have not mustered up in this sort of circumstance of Herculean efforts to see us actually getting a uh, a win out of that, really, isn't it? I think a draw is the best we could hope yeah. for and hope that City just have an off day and maybe are just a little bit knackered after playing Liverpool. But it's not like they've got to travel far. Where's the first leg anyway? Is it Anfield? Uh, it's, it's at Anfield, yeah, it is actually, yeah. All right. Well, it's not exactly a long trip, so there we go. Not looking forward to it whatsoever, which is not necessarily a feeling I frequently associate with this fixture in the sense that I'm dreading it because I don't expect us to win. I'm just dreading it. What happens if if we lose? Just considering, yeah, this is going to... Maybe it could be a turning point, maybe it'd be character building, but I certainly don't want to test that theory. Anyway, let's leave it there for tonight, Rich. Thanks for your company as ever. No worries, mate. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, don't forget, you can get us all over Twitter and the internet. You can get Rich and at RichardCan76. You can get me at you and Lennox. You can get the pot at Red Voices MUFC. And you can get our blog at www.redvoices.net. Here's hoping that when we reconvene next week, we're not discussing a 
awful Manchester derby. Cheerio.